Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. It's around the bench, on coast to coast in the biggest way possible, hanging out. The bad seed, the broken, the bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad attitude, bad taste, bad lie, bad dude, bad bread, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are chilling the most in the Pirella Palatial, right across the river and through the woods where Granny likes to drink Manhattans in New York City. Ooh. The Big Apple people dressed in plastic bags to break the traffic, some kind of fashion shake it up, should do it. All my friends that come around for that side of party up, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess, the town tatter. My brains are splattered all over Manhattan, should do be shake it Ooh. All right, Pharrell gigging with you. And my boy, Dane Martinez, you see him on the early line. He's a badass, and we're going to just go rocks off today on Coast to Coast. Dane, how you doing, brother man? I'm doing all right. I'm dealing with the bed bugs uptown here, Scotty, but we're hanging in there, sheltering in place, making it pop. So um, I saw this uh, thing on, uh, and I don't know if you saw it or not. You probably did because you see everything. But they did this bit where, you know, they uh, were doing the, uh, like ESPN was doing like the greatest basketball players ever in college. Right? Did you see all that? So um, it got to the point where it was like, uh, MJ against Larry Bird, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I have to tell you, like, when it got to that point, and then obviously I think they uh, gave it to MJ, I, I actually uh, do not believe that. I believe that, and, and I understand that North Carolina won a national championship because, uh, you know, uh, let's face it, uh, Georgetown uh, screwed up is what happened. And then... Bottom line is they should have never won that game. And then, but they did, so so be it. But I did not believe they won that championship because of him. And I do believe that Magic Johnson and Larry Bird were, for me, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that that Lou Alcindor was the greatest college player ever. But, But I do believe that I think that Larry Bird, in my view, was a better college basketball player than Michael Jordan. 
All right. I mean, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with you, right? Larry Bird with Indiana State, but it's 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 different eras in time, Scotty. Also, I would say you're right. Jordan was not the only force on that team, whereas Bird and Magic were in 79. But I think it's really hard. That's why I don't like any of these damn brackets that they do, you know, because A, the fans are voting and then, you know, people have so many different perspectives. And what defines best? Was it on a team that won the championship, the most dominant force as a single player? There's so many different interpretations of it. So sure, I'm not going to, you know, clap back at you necessarily if you think it was Bird. For me, you know, other people on ESPN, they also say how much they hate Christian Leitner. There was a 30 for 30 on that. But was he not one of the most dominant college players of all time, even though it should have been Shaq on the actual dream team? If you think about it, I think Shaq wound up in the final four or the elite eight of that conversation as well that they were doing those brackets. And, you know, what, what argument could you make against Shaq? Shaq, as, you know, unless you have to talk about championships. So it's all about perspective, Scotty. You know, I, I agree with you. And I didn't, like, so I never followed it uh, literally to the point where I saw the MJ Bird thing. I just don't give a rat's ass. But I was, uh, I, it caught my eye when it got to that point. So prior to that, I have no clue at all about any of it. or And I didn't watch any of it. But I do know this. I, like you, love basketball, so I watch tons of of basketball, and I remember all of these players. And I will say this about Leitner. Uh, First of all, I thought that the 30 for 30 on him was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. And secondly, uh, there's no arguing how much of an incredible player he was at Duke. The guy was phenomenal. And in the game against Kentucky where he hit the turnaround, Jay, did he not literally go perfect from the field and perfect from the line in the game? Yes. And I mean, but that team also, like Bobby Hurley, Grant Hill in those teams, you know, and that's part of why something like this is, um, again, based on perspective. I like where you go with Magic and Larry because they didn't have other NBA, what turned out to be other NBA Hawks you know, all-stars or potential Hall of Famers on that same team. If you think about it, what about something like, you know, Phi Slamma Jamma with Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler? You know, sometimes you are bolstered up by the rest of your crew, especially in the college game. You know, but yes, that Duke team was one of the all-time teams. I'm partial to the UNLV squads of that era as well. You know, so... um... I did the Jerry Tarkanian show in Vegas in my career, so I knew I knew Shark, and uh, he was really a cool dude. And um, I also did the Bob Knight show, and I actually have stayed friends with Knight all these years later. I've known him for over 35 years. And so the team that he took to uh, Bourbon Street that beat Syracuse in 87 in the national Mm -hmm. championship game on the Smart Jumper, that team, literally, you know, the only real player that they had that was a stud at the time as a college-level player was Steve Alford. And he was, a, he was a great college shooter and a great guard and a great free-throw shooter. The guy was a great uh, three-point shooter. He was never a great pro. We understand all that. But he went to that Final Four, and they beat UNLV – a lot of people didn't think they should have beat that UNLV team, and they did because Alfred got hot. Mm-hmm. And uh, Knight won that championship with no talent. It was coaching and defense and a shooter, and that's how they won it. Usually, would you prescribe to you need a point guard and someone else 
that yeah. finishes or that dominates defensively or on the boards or inside. If you have a, a guard and a big and a great coach, you can win a national championship. I do not believe you can win a national championship anymore in this day and age without those pieces. You can't go with a Bob Knight 87 team with no talent on it. They had talent, but when you really look at it, Dane, they were a bunch of hacks. Yeah, I hear you. You know, we have, there's other teams in that time period who did it similarly, right? Maybe the Villanova team in the mid-80s. But I don't know, Scotty. Let me push back on you for a second. These days, do you really still need a big man in the college game? I actually think it's more guard play. I think as the NBA has evolved, so has college basketball. When you stretch it out, shoot the three, the math and the geometry of basketball has somewhat changed. I don't know if they're really big-time big men in yeah. the college game anymore. Yeah, I'm not like necessarily a big man as, in essence, uh, another big performer, I meant to say. Like a, a guy, there's got to be a tandem. There's got to be another piece. You can't just, I believe, you know, there's no more Danny Manning. One, you know, like one guy, even Mello. Wasn't that a one-man show with Mello at Cuse? Listen, I went to Syracuse, bro, and I was the class of 02. I'm dating myself. So Mello was 03 at Syracuse, right? These guys stayed in my these guys stayed in my house over the summertime. All right. So while Mello was one, he had Hakeem Warwick, who was in the NBA, and Jerry McNamara would shoot the lights out for that team. So maybe not uh, the Batman and Robin like you're talking about, but he had he was the one and he had a couple of one B's with him in that crowd. So, uh, you know those guys that play in that uh, basketball tournament? Uh, do you like that whole group of, like, Q's players that play in that thing in the summer? I oh, think that's like awesome. Like $10 million or a million-dollar one? A couple million they play yeah. for. I think, it's, I think it's awesome. They're like Bayheim's Army, I think yeah. they call themselves. Yeah. I think that's cool. I wonder, and what I'll say is now – you know, the NBA could take an idea out of that. They're talking about now maybe bringing all the NBA teams together in the same building to have this kind of tournament, given the times that we're in. They're almost taking a page out of the Summer League, out of that kind of million-dollar tournament, or even out of the Big Three Ice Cubes venture. It's almost like a barnstorming tour, and that may be what sports come to when they come back, having to, like, all descend on specific places, you know, almost like sport conferences. Do you think that, uh, the, like, because it really sucks without basketball for me, yeah. like, all, like literally all sports not being around, it, it, I mean, it has just been emphatic and it's just been, you know, terrifying for my life. I don't know about yours, but, like, sticking to the basketball theme that we're on right now, sure. like, uh, do you really believe still, uh, even with the circumstances surrounding us on a day-to-day -day basis of how, traumatic this has become and how just difficult life is right now and it's still stay at home don't leave your home i went to the store right and wow. i was only there for like 10 minutes but i was freaked out man because everyone in there was wanted no part of anyone else near them i literally saw people uh when they look down a row if there's someone in it they won't go down the aisle and then when, when I was checking out, I was literally 15 feet away from this lady, and she was like, stay behind the line. Some lady, a customer, not the actual teller. And I, it's six feet, eight feet, right? I'm 15 feet away from her, like a free throw. And this lady's like, sir, can you just stay behind the line? And I was like, I'm 15 feet away from you, honey. So here's the deal. 
It's so bad right now in this world. Forget about this country and forget about New York's a disaster area. You know that as well as I do. We're both living here. Do you think seriously that they're going to play basketball again? I think that what they're going to do, because they're going to try and balance this, this public safe safety concern is completely out of control. I do think they're going to try and split the baby here, Scotty. And what they are going to do is find a way to produce these things as television events that have no fans, okay? I think it's different to have the, 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 the players kind of in a jury duty quarantine, special buses come on into an arena or find a location for them, but fans will not be going. Remember, it's different when you have, you know, 40, 50 people together who have all been pre-screened and are millionaires who so get access to testing, as opposed to bringing 20, 30, 40,000 people from the public together. And I think eventually what we will, in fact, get to is the NBA and other sports um, in this world without fans and everything will be produced as a made-for-TV event to still try to bring some normalcy and or entertainment to the public. And I think it's going to start with the NFL draft. Yeah, but like, you know, you and I will get into WrestleMania later, but uh, and I've done a WrestleMania show with Scott Stanford recently. I think it aired on Monday on Coast to Coast. But look... That's uh, that's entertainment at the highest level, and that's acting, and that's like soap opera. Uh, the NBA, uh, let's say, we've already lost college basketball, which is like losing teeth for me. I, I actually, you know, it's still dangerous to me, uh, Dane. I, I got to tell you that, like, you know, having that both squads, you know, 12 deep, whatever, and then the refs and coaches, and you cannot tell me that that is a safe situation. I don't care how much money you got. Money is not a factor. I, I agree with you in testing. Fair enough. The rich and famous get their tests. Uh, whether that's right or wrong is another story. But I do not believe that money has a factor in, frankly, being able to uh, play basketball safely in the world we're living in today. I, this, this lady said to me today, she said, don't worry, it'll be over in a month. I was like, you're tripping. You're you're tripping. Yeah. A month? What what end of the tunnel? What light do you see in that tunnel? Because uh, people say on April 30th, you know what I'd say to that, Dane? No, no offense. I'm not even trying to be Debbie Downer here. My ass is what I'm saying. 30 days. What makes you think in any way, shape, or form? There's hospitals being built in the middle of Central Park on the grass in Bryant Park. you got to be kidding me. Where, where is this end of the uh, tunnel and the light at it? Listen, I've been a New Yorker all my life, Scotty. Literally, when I played high school baseball, my home field was the North Meadow of Central Park, and they are currently building hospital beds on it. It's something I've never thought I would see, the eeriness in the streets, on the subway. The problem for me with this, Scott, is I think it's I think it's well into the future. And the reason why is because we're relying on the lowest common denominator, the stupidest of the stupid. And here's what I'm talking about. You can't start the clock on this idea of social distancing for real to, you know, flatten the curve, as they say, until everyone's doing it. Okay, so if there's still kids in the playground playing or people on the beach down in Florida or people congregating wherever they are, it kind of doesn't matter, Scotty, if you You're or right. I are taking it serious, okay? It, because then, what, we all come back out of our caves, but only, you know, but 10, 15% of the population weren't doing it, it spreads again. It doesn't matter until we all start. And because of that reason, Scotty, I have very little faith because I'm a fade the public kind of guy.
So we were talking, uh, I was talking to my boy down in Miami, just like you're always talking with Joe Ranieri. Yeah. I was talking to this guy, Zach Krantz, who, um, you know, does radio down there. We were talking about the Heat and, uh, you know, talking about that team and, and talking about how well would they do in the Eastern Conference playoffs if they were to start the season and somehow manipulate the schedule and get into just like a tournament like you were talking about or the playoffs per se, hypothetically. Let's start with that team. What do you think the damage plan is for the Heat in the playoffs against these other powers in the Eastern Conference? How high do you have them in terms of their ability and spoils to like pull something off? And they got some guns and they got some talent and they got some players that can get it on. Great coach, everything else. Uh, do they actually have a shot or is it just, you know, Milwaukee and then everybody else, Boston and Philly, they can all just forget about it because the Bucks are going to run away with it. I'm not buying that. They were supposed to uh, run away with it last year and that didn't happen either. I'm with you, Scotty. I would be fading the Bucks in the Milwaukee. I mean, fading the Bucks in the Eastern Conference in the futures market. I think Giannis is amazing. This is no knock on Giannis. The question for me is, in a playoff scenario, right, do they have a second gun like you're talking about, that second stud? I don't know if Middleton or Matthews or one of the Lopez boys is that guy. And then over the span of a seven-game uh, seven series, you can start to develop a plan against Giannis. I think that's what Toronto did last year. And to be quite honest, Scotty, I am holding two teams' uh, futures bets in the Eastern Conference. They are the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. I believe in those two teams. I'm trying to beat Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference, and I just don't know. I know it's crazy to doubt Toronto, as we all do, but I'm riding the horses of Boston and Miami right now in the East. So, uh, respectfully, I got just under two minutes. What is it about the Heat that you like? I like, you know, Robinson Hero shooting. I like Adebayo. Everybody knows what Jimmy Buckets can do, and I really like Spoel on the sideline. What is it about him that you like? All right, so first of all, it starts with Jimmy Butler. It starts with Jimmy Butler as a closer for games and in terms of the attitude that they bring in, right? I like Spolster as the coach. I like what they did before the trading deadline as well, Scotty. They got enough of the kinds of pieces that are playoff tested, whether it be, you know, kind of the old man AI or bringing in, you know, the Jay Crowders and the like. And we just talked about, you know, one of the points I made was the, the game is evolving away from the big man. Ban Adebayo is the perfect big man for this day and age in the NBA, and I think it's a good combination, but it starts with Jimmy Butler. It's going to be interesting. Uh, if they were to play, I, I got uh, 30 seconds. If they were to play Boston, who would you take in that series if it was Miami and Boston, hypothetically? I'd take whoever had home field, home court advantage in that one. But yeah, I, I, think they, I think Tatum's a stud on the horizon. Yeah, we'll talk about the Celtics in a minute. I do uh, think that the last sport I'll give you uh, with the home court advantage matters, home field, home ice. I'm not a buyer in the NHL. I believe any team can win anywhere. I've seen too many teams win a game seven on the road in the Stanley Cup final or other playoff series. And I do not believe baseball, there's any edge at all in playing a baseball game. We've seen it too many times when a road team wins uh, game sevens. And I think football and basketball, it still matters, particularly in college football. We're talking about the NBA right now. Dave Martinez with us on Coast to Coast. So make sure you go with us now. Come on in. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day.
all major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, coast to coast, Dave Martinez with us. Check him out on Early Line. You see him on Sports Grid. He's everywhere. He's a badass. I'm Pharrell. So uh, let's talk about uh, the Celtics. You had mentioned Tatum. Uh, He's one of my favorite players as well in the league now. Uh, I never uh, liked him in college. I'm not a fan of Duke and all this other stuff, and all these guys make me sick. But I respect talent. I respect guys with game, and he's definitely got it. I enjoy uh, – I've never been a Celtic fan, but it's the same thing with Larry Bird. I thought, uh, for me, that Larry Bird was uh, the clutchest player I ever saw. Uh, every night, night in, night out, and in a playoff series, in a championship uh, series, in a game seven – uh, with their backs to the wall, with, you know, five seconds left and the ball out of bounds, uh, losing, winning, it doesn't matter. That guy did whatever it took, and he made every shot, it seemed to me, when he would show people up, smack-talking, uh, when it was uh, daggers, whether it was three-pointers in the uh, All-Star games or whatever, he just always came through, passing, rebounding, running the floor in transition, I never saw a white boy play like that in my life. Now, there were people that said guys like Maravich and others, Kuzi, but they didn't have his size and his ability to rebound the ball and move the ball. So he was that guy for me, and I hated the Celtics. Now, I'm going to say the same thing about Tatum. I don't believe Tatum's Larry Bird, but I, I think he's the same kind of uh, movie that I'm selling. Uh, the guy's got a different kind of game. It's quicker. There's more hops. Uh, it's it's more athletic. Uh, it's not as rugged as Larry Bird's game. Uh, and he definitely doesn't pass like Larry Bird did. But I just think he's absolutely a freak of nature. And I enjoy watching him play, even though I don't like that team and I don't really want him to win. I like watching him every night. If I can get that guy on my TV at night, I watch. Yeah, like, I, I agree with you, okay? And I think, remember, he was, what, the number two pick, I think, coming out of Duke that year. And I think it's taken a little while for his game to evolve at the NBA level, but I just think he's getting better and better every single year. And in this in this league, dominated by wing players that can be two-way players, Tatum is it. You know what I actually find interesting? Part of what you're talking about with Larry Bird sounds like the mentality, right? That kind of killer mentality. And if you want to know the truth, when it goes to that team, 
This may sound silly, but their point guard to me, Kemba Walker, has that same kind of, you know, dog, if we will. I'm a Syracuse guy. I'm a New York guy. I don't like the Celtics necessarily either. But when I was at Syracuse, that means I follow UConn all the time. And Kemba Walker, a New York City product, he has that kind of, you know, um, calm in the sense of pressure, clutch gene, if you will. And so I think there's another guy in a backcourt for Tatum to kind of see that happen with. I like what they're doing. And we go back to the coaching. You asked me why I liked Miami Heat. I mentioned the coach, Eric Spolstra. You asked me why I would like the Celtics, especially in this kind of time where if they get started again, I think coaching is going to be even more important. And then you have Brad Stevens there, who I think is one of the better young coaches in the league. And for me, it comes down to depth and quantity over the, the potential star of Giannis in the Eastern Conference. I think there's a lot of guys there that like to play both ways and are interchangeable. Scotty, you know it better than I, most people. In this day and age in the NBA, you want to be able to kind of switch off all ball screens and guard all positions. And I think the Heat and the Celtics have the rosters to do that in the playoffs. So his game, Tatum's um, in the in the clutch, uh, late in games, in, um, you know, do you remember the night, I think it was um, when uh, Levert went off on them at the Garden and Stevens was standing there looking like uh, someone had stolen his dog and then he went off for like 51 or whatever and, you know, just took the game over. Do you uh, sense that Tatum can be that guy in the clutch in a playoff game, in a game four, in a game five, in a game seven? Could he have one of those nights where he takes over a game and they literally give him the ball and it goes through his fingertips every trip down? Or do you think there's too many other guys like uh, Kemba and Hayward and, and Brown and Smart that want the pill as well that won't let him uh, be that guy? I think there's two tiers in Boston, okay? When you say, can Kemba do that? My answer to you is yes. And that's what I was talking about before. I think Kemba is cut from the same cloth, as it were, and can on a given night go for 40, go for 50, be that guy who gets hot and says, I'm doing it tonight, fellas. Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and others, I think those are more the supporting cast people. Can they have a great game? Yes, but in the fourth quarter, I'm not running my offense through Marcus Smart necessarily. Okay, for me, it's Kemba with the ball, and, and them and Tatum are working it through in those clutch situations, like you say, on the road in Toronto in game five or something like that. I don't want to be relying necessarily on Jalen Brown. I don't want to necessarily have it being the Gordon Hayward show. All right. I, I think Kemba. And yes, I do believe Jason Tatum has that ability in the Eastern Conference. You know, he's one of the players that I would want to have with the ball in their hands. And I think, to be honest, didn't they have him on the floor late in the All-Star game? Which is kind of the same thing, right? When the chips are on the table, who are the guys that want the ball in their hands? And yes, I do think Tatum either is already that or is evolving into that as he continues to develop. So, uh, Dave Martinez with us. Toronto loses, um, you know, the claw, and therefore no one is really buying him. But they have been pretty kick-ass all season until the Pharrell Demonic hit, the virus hit, and shut down basketball. Do you think that without him, if they pick it up and play postseason basketball, that they can play at the level they've been playing at pre-pandemic and be a dangerous factor in the playoffs? Or will that loss bite them in the ass in the end no matter what? 
All right, so, I mean, like, can they be productive in the playoffs? Yes. Do I respect the defending champions? Yes. But then at the last point there, Scotty, you said, or will it bite them in the ass at the end, right? And my answer to that is also yes, okay? And it's hard for me because I don't want it to sound like I'm throwing shade to the Toronto Raptors. I respect what they're doing. But at some point, and this has been our narrative, right? You need closers. You asked me why I like the Heat. My initial answer was Jimmy Butler. We talked about the potential of, you know, Jason Tatum to be that dude. I don't buy anyone on Philly to be that dude. And on Toronto, at this moment in time, who is that guy? Is it Lowry? Is it Van Fleet? You know, is it Ibaka? And I don't know if any of them truly have, you know, these same characteristics that we are talking about to want the ball in their hands and go carry a team in that clutch spot. So while I respect Toronto, they'd be the quote-unquote tough out, you know, and all those platitudes you want to throw their way. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, I am looking at those teams that have those closers that I can get behind, and it's not necessarily Toronto. And it's, you know, Giannis is great and all, but I don't think he's enough, especially over seven games when defenses are keying on him and developing a plan for him. That's why I like the depth of Boston and Miami, led by the closers, if you will, of Tatum and Jimmy Butler. So Budenholzer's got Giannis. And then we've talked about the other pieces that don't quite fill the glass. Do you believe that uh, Budenholzer can somehow find it in that other, you know, Pandora's box of talent, the other guys? Can he find something in there to make it work and get it done? Because you've shown some reservations about them. So is he a, a factor in it? And it's up to him to find a way to make the rest of that group do something. Because it seems like to me, Dane, that every night it's really all about Giannis. And then these other guys might have a good game here and there. But in the playoffs, deep in the playoffs, they've got to get productivity from way more than one guy. Yeah, that's, I see it the same exact way, Scotty, right? And that's why I call them like maybe a great regular season kind of team when Giannis can do these Herculean performances. He's having one of the best seasons literally of all time. And that's why it's okay on a random Thursday in Atlanta, Scotty, if, you know, if... Uh, if Bledsoe goes off or if Middleton has 27, you know, that can happen. But again, over the course of a series where you're seeing the same team over and over and they can depend on you, I just don't think they have the horses outside of Giannis. So is it Budenholzer's job to get it done? Yes, but you still can only squeeze so much juice out of the orange, Scotty. And I think it's a combination of him having to find something and them being built for the regular season. No, I don't believe in their number twos. So do you think that kid, Obi Toppin, is going to be uh, a dynamic uh, player at the next level and go number one and be a rock star in the NBA uh, from the small sample that you know we've seen of him? I mean, let's face it, this year was the first time that anyone really watched him. Uh, no one was talking about Obi Toppin last year. You and I have seen him play, but nobody else uh, knew a thing about him. What do you think he's going to be like? Because we never got to see him uh, play in the tournament. And now all of a sudden people are talking about him being this god uh, in the NBA. Yeah, I think, you know, a guy like Obi Toppin, a guy like Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. I think these guys who, you know, 
um, were dominant in their mid-major conferences or these one-year potential wonders, these revelations that led teams. Miles Powell may unfortunately fall into a similar boat. They may be hurt the most because of the fact that the world is standing still as they potentially move on to the NBA, because the questions will come about their level of competition. And unlike other years, you don't have that tape in March Madness against Power Five schools as much to see how they handle the bright lights. And you don't have that team, that time running up to the draft whenever they decide to hold it. So, you know, maybe have uh, meetings, have pro days or workouts, have your doctors go ahead and do the once over. So I think that may lead to teams leaning more towards these blue chip schools or these quote unquote safer prospects. I do think it may hurt a kid like Obi Toppin. He was dominant at Dayton, but you know, it's hard because we're comparing apples and oranges, in my opinion. I usually skew away from these kind of small schools. Are there exceptions? CJ McCollum comes to mind, yes. But especially also, Scotty, when you're a when you're a you know in the front court um, at that level, a lot of times you're doing thing of sheer athleticism or power, and that's what you're relying on, and then you can't take that step to the next level. So that is something I might be concerned about. I like the kid you know, great as a college player. But when it comes to taking that step, I might have some concerns if you consider him a lock, you know, a blue chip number one overall pick because of some of the things you mentioned. So, Dane, you know, Rutgers just signed a gigantic recruit uh, from the state, and he's a big, you know, for, I don't think he's the biggest player I've ever seen, but I saw a lot of his clips of how good he is. Uh, And, uh, you know, the program was on the precipice of doing uh, some exciting things, like going to the tournament. I think that was a a definitive uh, situation that they hadn't been in in a long time. And they were really on the move. Harper's kid was playing really well there. Uh, They obviously are doing things right if they're signing uh, top players in the country to go to Rutgers. Do you believe that, uh, you know, Rutgers and Seton Hall really, uh, you know, we've seen Seton Hall be good before, but blow it in the tournament. Do you believe that uh, these two schools in New Jersey are turning into basketball powers? You know, I think these things, you know, we talk about this all the time. Scotty, I'm from I'm here in New York. We say I have the same kind of narrative around like St. John's recruiting New York City. And that's where it starts for me. Right. It starts for me. Can these schools first get a foothold in the state? Because you and I both know, Scotty, there's no shortage of talent that they would be recruiting from the tri-state area. And it's really can they get that presence? I think for a school like Rutgers, the um, being in the Big Ten is interesting, the Big Ten network and kind of some of the other exposure they get from there is another step in the right direction. Are they on the right track? Yes. Are they there yet? No. But for me, what they should do is just continue to compete to get the absolute best talent in New Jersey. And if they could do that, they're well on their way. So uh, let's go out west. And uh, I've had a lot of conversations. The other day I was talking uh, to a guy in Los Angeles about the Clippers and Lakers. And it really, you know, at the end of the day, boils down, you know, for me, to those two teams. Mm -hmm. I know there's other teams. I know that some people may buy into the Nuggets and some freaks might even buy into the Jazz doing something with that roster. Um, and, And, you know, to me, there's no one else. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, maybe I'm crazy, but uh, of those two teams and what you saw the Lakers do to the Clippers in the third matchup they finally played, uh, when they were trailing in that game and then blew them out in the second half and dominated the game, 
and what you saw the Clippers do to them in the first two meetings when they really got inside the Lakers' heads, and they could care less if they had AD, because to me it's about LeBron and AD, and the rest of them are just lunch meat. I, I honestly think that those two are the two teams that will, if they play, will go to the Western Conference Finals somehow, some way. Do you buy into that notion at all? Um, yes, I am on team Clippers. I think they are the best team in the NBA, Scotty. I think the Clippers, we talked about the claw and listen, at this point, you're getting to read on me. What are the indicators? What are the things that I like in a team, right? Scott and the Clippers have all of them. Okay. They have Kawhi Leonard, who's the closer for me. So, so can be Paul George. But for the best part for me is they have two way players left and right. Even trading for Morris. You're talking about like guy like Beverly, right? I love the kind of nuisance he can be. And then for me, it's the coaching of Doc Rivers. I, I believe the Clippers are the best team in the league. And all they actually need is to be healthy and to have enough games under their belt together when they can build that chemistry before whenever it happens. And that's where I'm going to put my shekels would be with the Clippers over the Lakers or anyone else in the West. The one small sliver of caveat that I will push back at you, Scotty. You mentioned the Jazz. You mentioned the Nuggets. I don't b believe it. I said the Clippers are the best team, but I would say that the Rockets are live because they have shoved all in with their style of play. Do I think it would work four out of seven games that they hit 40% from three or that we could rely on Harden or Westbrook? Not necessarily, but because of the way they play, they are live in any game in any series. I'll give you that. Uh, I think the Rockets are a very interesting piece to the puzzle because I love Brody. I think his game is sickening. I like his attitude. I like his defiance. I like his, I'm going to smack somebody's ass, and then you can talk about it later when I'm done playing. I like the way he flushes the rim. I like the way he goes to the rim. I like the speed. I like everything about his game. I like the way they go for it with threes, and, and yep. we've already seen what happens when they don't hit them. When we come back, we'll uh, talk a little bit more about the Rockets, and I want to get into some NFL draft stuff with Dave Martinez because the draft, if they have it, is going to be very interesting. Certainly, just the way they have it, the way they roll it out is going to be crazy. But to see where he thinks some of these guys are going to end up going, it's coast to coast with Dane Martinez. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, Coast to Coast, Dane's with us. Dane Martinez, you see him on early line. Dane, so the Rockets, I was talking about Westbrook 
And uh, I want to know what you think. Uh, we already know he's got game. I don't care what anybody says. If you don't think that guy's got game with, what, two years of averaging like a triple-double, then you're just flat-out tripping. I don't even want to talk to you. But um, some people don't buy into Harden and him in the same cocktail, right, without the stir. And uh, I want to know, we've already seen Harden not get it done multiple times. We've already seen him in, you know, game sevens melt down like an ice cream cone in Manhattan in the middle of August from the softy truck. Do you think the two of them can actually pull it off? They got all these guys, Tucker, Gordon. They got rid of their big. They went small ball. I've seen them have horrible nights where they get whacked. And then I've seen them beat the Lakers. Who are they? The mystery team? Yes. That's exactly right. Yes, they are the mystery team because and and I got to tell you something. At first, when those trades went down, when they moved Capella, I was like, this is silly. You know, and what I did that night, the first time they were playing the Lakers, what I did was I bet prop bets on Anthony Davis, but the Rockets to win the game. And that's exactly what happened because, you know, they are able to board with guys like P.J. Tucker, ironically. And and for me, when you have that personnel and that's the way they're going to play anyway, I actually like that they decided to go all in on that philosophy. And what I would say is, for me, that's the only way it will work for Houston, right? To them to throw caution to the wind and be like, this is our identity. We're going to, you know, we're going to look really bad on some nights, but we can win against anybody in the league. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to make you adjust to us instead of the other way around. And that's why I say, though, ultimately, Scotty, will they prevail in, you know, multiple series against, say, the Clippers and or the Lakers? I find that hard to believe. That's why I'm calling them live against anybody, because if they're hitting their shots four out of seven, they can win. But I don't think it's, you know, a good enough chance for me to throw my money behind it. That's why at the beginning of this one, Scotty, I was like, you know, I'm a uh, yes, Lakers and Clippers, but the Rockets are the third one that's live. This is the way they would do it. And I think it's their only option. And so I like it. But ultimately, I don't think they get the job done. So uh, let me ask you, uh, let's go to the NFL. I saw that. um Clowney's uh, stock is dropping and that his number was going uh, down the other side of the mountain. He was in a, a neighborhood allegedly of, you know, 20 mil per. Now they're uh, talking about it sliding down like a stock to 17, 18 million per. Do you uh, think that because, you know, I thought he looked really good in Seattle and, and in playoff games. And then a lot of people say he just doesn't put up the numbers to deserve that kind of money. Do you believe that he is a great player to sign at that price, or would you uh, pass on that flyer? So the key word is at that price, Scotty. You know, and here's the thing, like the market for him at, at 20 million wasn't there. I actually believe now that he's gone down supposedly what we're hearing to say the 16, 17, 18 million dollar range, I do actually think Seattle is a good fit and interested at them in him at that price. I know he's had some injury concerns, Scotty, but I have seen games where Jadavion Clowney absolutely wrecks the game for the offense and takes over. And, you know, with offense as crazy as it is in the NFL, that's part of the way you combat that on defense. You have to have a dude like Clowney, like uh, Mac, like Watt, 
like, you know, some of these guys to actually be someone you have to game plan against on the other side. And so, yes, I do think Clowney has proven that when he is on the field, he is worth that kind of money because of the value he brings to a defense. And I do think ultimately he could wind up back in Seattle if they find the happy landing spot and 17 mil may be that number. I think they should sign him again as yep. sure as I'm sitting here now. A.B. has been uh, allegedly working out with guys like Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, I've talked to people about, you know, we've already seen, I was talking to a guy in Tampa that the Buccaneers want no part of him. Arians right. has said that. There's been talk about Pittsburgh. They're not bringing him back to Pittsburgh. Do you believe that a guy with that kind of talent, and he's still got speed and hands and talent without a doubt, but do you think he's such a whack job that he's not going to get a job in the NFL again? So, first of all, I don't think his status has been determined by the NFL, Scotty, you know, after his, you know, potential appeal. So that would have to be first no matter what. Right. I personally don't think he should get another chance. I think that there's something over, like he's jumped the shark, in my opinion. And you get a ton of chances, I know, but I think it would be hard to come on back. But for example, Scotty, if I was a team in need of a wide receiver, why wouldn't I call Josh Gordon right now in, instead of Antonio Brown? When you talk about the talent being there, the production on the field being there, and his you know kind of trouble was a little bit different, and one now that the collective bargaining agreement is going to look the other way on, no, I would not take a chance on A.B., I'd call Josh Gordon in first. Well, uh, and, and that guy has failed, what, six drug tests? Yeah, but it's all been weed. And now weed's not in there. You know, they're not going to test or punish weed anymore. You know how much money he lost over the last few years over things that they're now not going to test for? I would take a chance of that way because you're still going to have to have the supportive locker room and environment for him, whatever other pieces are to the puzzle, security, what have you. But no, I would not take the chance on Antonio Brown. I think he went too far, and I think he's persona non grata. So, uh, Dane Martinez with us on Coast to Coast, kicking it. Do you think uh, Tua Tagovailoa is yeah. going to be a stud in the NFL and do you believe that he'll go, frankly, to the Lions or uh, to the Dolphins? Isn't that the, the hizzy right now? Everybody's in on, on those two teams. Or do you actually buy this rhetoric that the Dolphins are going to cut a deal with the Bengals and get Joe Burrow? Because I'm not buying that. No, I don't buy that. But we have to remember, we're in the time of the NFL calendar, Scotty, where you can't believe a damn thing you hear, right? It's smokescreenville. So it's hard to, you know read the tea leaves as it were. If you ask me, you know, they have odds up on FanDuel and prop bets around the draft as well. I ultimately think he will be a Miami Dolphin, and I think they'll be able to get it done with the number five pick overall. Okay, I think Joe Burrow goes one to Cincy. I think Chase Young goes two to Washington. And Detroit, you, everyone talks about that's where the fun starts because that could be where a team would trade up to go get him because they know they would have to hop the Miami Dolphins at five to do so. The hashtag tank for Tua has been out there for a while. They signed Ryan Fitzpatrick as that perfect kind of mentor bridge quarterback. They're going to bring him back. I think they want Tua. I think they'd be happy there at five. I don't think they would necessarily trade up. They got to worry about the Chargers or other trade teams trading up to leapfrog them. But no, I think if he's still there at five, they're going to be smiling that he fell in their lap. And that's ultimately what I think will happen. Do you like uh, Justin Herbert? And do you believe there's a number of teams 
Uh, you know, I don't believe the Dolphins are taking him, but I, you know, the Chargers, Panthers, Colts, Jags, I could see him getting drafted by any of those teams. Vandal thinks it. Vegas thinks it. Do you believe that he needs, um, I think he needs definite sideline seasoning uh, and to learn from someone else. So I could see him uh, going to any of those teams and getting a year of tutelage. How do you think things are going to work out for Justin Herbert? Because I actually believe in him. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I didn't say great. I think he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. He's always been a good quarterback. He's never been great. But who's to say he couldn't get better? I mean, Tom Brady uh, was a good quarterback. He was never a great quarterback at Michigan ever. And he turned into the greatest quarterback ever in many's eyes and, and mine as well. I mean, he's past Montana. So for me, I think that Justin's the same kind of player when it's all said and done from the starting point of Oregon to the NFL. Yeah, I, uh, I'm also a Herbert fan, uh, you know, all the way back to family out in Oregon. So go Ducks. OK, but I think he could wind up number six with the Los Angeles Chargers. They are right now the second choice to have his services at plus 160. Tyrod Taylor, their current quarterback, has played this role before. He was with the Browns as they drafted Baker, and then he gave the baton to Baker. You know, I think that is possible. When you talk about some of the other teams, if not the Chargers, but I do think the Chargers are very live at number six overall. Two teams that could be interesting. You mentioned the Indianapolis Colts. Another one I'll throw out to you at that part of the draft is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Scotty, at number 14 overall. And that would be the same kind of idea as the Colts. You talk about him needing some veteran seasoning. Well, who better to get that seasoning from than Tom Brady in Tampa or potentially Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis? The only reason I don't necessarily think it is the Colts is because they are devoting so much money, Scotty, to their quarterback position. They're signed Phillip Rivers to the 25-year, I mean, $25 million deal. They still are retaining, for now at least, Jacoby Brissett, who's slated to make $21 million this year. So I don't know that they have enough to then automatically slot the number of whatever it is, 12 or 13 pick. I think Tampa Bay is interesting because we know Tom Brady's not a long-term answer for that. You can get the Bucks at 15 to 1 on FanDuel, but the Chargers are a deserving choice as well at number 6 overall. So who do you think is going to end up having more uh, picks taken in the first round, Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State? Interesting. They have those kind of prop bets, and that's great. First of all, shout out to FanDuel for throwing all these props up so we have more to talk about and more right. to kind of dig into and make a little bit of cash, Scotty. We're doing our own stimulus package, right? We don't need the government. We're going to get it <laughs> ourselves. And that's right, so, son. You know, um, listen, I guess Alabama, right? Roll Tide. When you think about it, I know two is going to go. I know the lineman Wills is going to go. I know not one, but two wide receivers are going to go in Judy and Ruggs. And I just think there's just, you know, there's talent at every position, every layer of the defense. There's guys you can grab. So if you ask me for one school, I guess it would be it would be Bama um, followed by LSU, even ahead of Clemson and Ohio State. 
I think that uh, the Buccaneers, believe it or not, they want Andrew Thomas out of Georgia up front to protect Tom Brady. He's got a lot to learn, but he's a monster. Uh, do you believe in him? And what do you think of this kid, Akuda? I think he is an absolute game-changing freak of a talent, and he's going to be sickening in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. So as it relates to Okuda, I think he is by far the best cornerback in the draft. And I think he could be a fit, Scotty, for the Detroit Lions at number three, okay? If they stay in that spot. Listen, they were the absolute worst pass defense in the NFL last year. And then what have they already done in the offseason? Turn around and move on from Darius Slay, their number one corner. I think Okuda could be a fit there. You know Patricia there as the head coach is building on the defensive side of the ball. I think Okuda is a stud and could be there at number three. When it comes to Thomas, the kid you're talking about potentially for Tampa, Scotty, I don't know that he's going to be on the board by the time Tampa picks, okay? He is one of four blue-chip offensive linemen that could be, you know, off the board early in the first round. Scotty, I'm a Jets fan, all right? And the Jets pick number 11. I am hoping that one of those four tackles are still on the board at 11. So the fact that, so the idea that one of them will still be on the board at 14, I don't know if Thomas will still be there. Because to be honest, if he's still there at 11 for the Jets, I hope they take him. Do you think Le'Veon will ever pan out with the green? Um, the, the define pan out, I guess. I think he will be, again, a pro, uh, a pro Bowl level running back, yes. And I think part of what is needed, Scotty, going back to what we just said, is they had to retool the offensive line, okay? They had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL last year. They've made some upgrades. Joe Douglas, the new GM for the Jets, you know, he came from Philly, wants to build from the inside out. They have already signed, like, four offensive linemen in this free agency period. I hope they add the cherry on top as one of those tackles, maybe Thomas, at pick 11. And then I think you have a much better chance of Le'Veon Bell, you know, producing at Steelers levels for the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Remember, he's supposed to be this patient running back who picks the right. Well, you right. need an offensive line to be able to do that. And remember also last year, Scotty, his quarterback that he's supposed to be developing with had mono for about a month and a half, right? So that kind of, you know, stunts the growth in terms of building chemistry. I think, yes, there is an opportunity that people are selling Le'Veon Bell short, and I'm going to have him on some of my fantasy football teams this year. Respectfully, I got three minutes. Do you think that you're worried more about the Patriots or the Bills now as a Jets fan? Um, the Bills. The Bills, because one arrow is pointing up and one arrow is pointing down, Scotty. As a Jets fan, I've been saying for years that what we needed to do was be primed and ready to go for whenever the day was when Tom Brady wasn't there anymore, right? Every team is on a cycle. We just had to be on the right, you know, ascension as that was happening. And unfortunately, because we've pissed away two of the last few years, the Bills are actually that team in position as opposed to the Jets. You're hearing Josh Allen in that role instead of Sam Darnold. So unfortunately, I think it's the Bills that are in better position. And I think they're the ones on the ascent when it's like the fall of Rome in New England. So respectfully, I got two minutes. WrestleMania, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Do you think that they will be successful I know they filmed it already. I know they shot it all in Orlando. They've already done it. Do you think it's going to work with no fans? Do I think it's going to work? I think it'll be hard. That's why you see some of these other kinds of matches. I think they're having like a boneyard match with The Undertaker and AJ Styles. Right. I think it'll rely on the promos, to be quite honest. But 
because there's nothing else going on, Scotty, and the, the sports <laughs> fan, the entertainment fan is craving anything. I do think it's a smart move that they're filling up Saturday and Sunday night. And I think they're putting it like on, on Fox streaming as well, making it more broadly available. So I think because we're so hungry for it, I think, yeah, it'll do good numbers. Uh, is there a fight or two that you like the best on that card that you're excited about? Um, I guess, you know, I'm intrigued by uh, if they will actually topple some of these part-time stars. Like, I, I think it's time for Brock Lesnar to go away. You know, so will they actually pass the baton to Drew McIntyre, who won the Royal Rumble? I think that is interesting. And then, you know, what will they do with this women's match? To be quite honest... Uh, Shayna Baszler is from, like, MMA, the UFC. She should be able to beat Becky Lynch down. Will they crush the hero that they just built up last year at WrestleMania? That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, there's going to be, I think, four of them going at it at once. That's going to be awesome. By the way, Habib's out of 249. No. He's in Russia, so forget about that. Uh, I don't even know if they're going to be able to pull that off. Maybe uh, Justin Gaffey against Tony Ferguson. I don't know what they're going to do. I would even have the event. I would wait until it's healthy and safe for everybody to go. Dane, killer stuff today on Coast to Coast. Way to talk NBA rack, a little college, a lot of NFL, a little WWE, and a little MMA. I love you, brother. Thanks for coming on Coast to Coast. Have a good one, brother. I'm always here for you, Scotty. All right, stay healthy. Dane Martinez with us on Coast to Coast. You know where to find us. Everybody's doing it. They just won't admit it. Check out. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.